Welcome to the Access Church Podcast. Are you ready for a word from God today? Man, I've been ex- so excited to preach this uh, message today. You know, we're going to continue our series on being fully devoted and not just being followers of Jesus and not just being a, a fan. I know we took kind of a short break with First Fruits and, uh, and then last week Pastor Rafa brought an amazing message on the power of the blood. And, and, and the big idea of this sermon series is that we are called to be followers of Jesus and not just a fan. A follower is someone who is fully devoted, that is sold out. A fan is someone that puts their jersey on on Sunday that might show up on game day. But a follower is someone who is who is invested, someone who is sold out, someone that contributes. And unfortunately today, when we look at the landscape of the universal church, we see that the churches are filled with a lot of fans and not a lot of followers, those that are, are more uh, uh, consumers than, than contributors. But aren't you glad that you come to a church like Access Church that is not full of consumers, but is full of contributors? Amen. Can we show some love to our hospitality team that always shows up early? There's a saying in Spanish that says, sin café, sin coca, la unción es poca. So that's why we have coffee here and, and caffeine. So um, you know, it's amazing to be a part of a church because that's what, what God has called us to be, is to be followers of Jesus. And a follower is one who walks, acts, and talks like Jesus. Or how we like to say it here at Access Church, to love like Jesus, to live like Jesus, and to lead like Jesus. In fact, that is our expression. If you've been with us, you know that we have a why. It's our mandate. Our mandate is to build a prophetic church with prophetic people in a prophetic culture. We have a a mission. Our mission is loving people into an authentic, relevant, and maturing relationship with Jesus Christ. So we have a mandate. We have a mission. And then we have our expression. How are we going to do this? How is this going to happen? And, And our how is to be followers of Jesus Christ. And a follower is one who loves like Jesus, who lives like Jesus, and leads like Jesus. Now, I believe that you cannot be in a genuine, intimate relationship with somebody without gleaning some of their qualities or attributes. You know, the the more time you spend with someone, you know, you start to think like them, you start to act like them, you start to talk like them. In fact, you know, I'm not from this part of Texas. I'm not from the armpit of Texas. I'm from the north. And, uh, and when I came to Texas back in 1990, I graduated college, went to, to Bible school. And when I came down from, from Chicago and I came down, I used to call everything a pop. And people would look at me like, what is a pop? And, and I started, because I've been here, now I'm just like you, I call everything a Coke. Right? And I remember coming down, well, what kind of Coke do you want? I'm like, what do you mean what kind of Coke? Like Diet Coke or Coke, that's all there is. No, but like, do you want a Sprite? Do you want a Big Red? I'm like, that's not a Coke. That's a Sprite and a Coke is a Coke. But here in this part of the country, everything is a Coke. And, and because I've been here so long, now I talk like you guys. It's not a bad thing. I'm not criticizing. I'm not hating. I never used to talk half Spanish and half English before. Now I talk like you guys. Because the more that you connect are in relationship with someone, it's just the natural evolution of closeness and intimacy that you start gleaning, you start gleaning qualities and characteristics of the people that that you're hanging around. Have you ever seen a dog and an owner and they look like each other? That happens over time. Yeah, looking at yeah, I've seen them on Facebook. Yeah, <laughs> but it just happens, and and, and I believe that as we are in a, a, a relationship with Jesus, and we walk in an intimate relationship with Him, there is it is impossible for Him not to influence who we are. 
It's impossible for us to spend time with him, to worship him, time in his word and in prayer, and time in in church, and, and surrounded by his people, being a part of his body, the natural evolution over time, we should, we should start acting like him and talking like him and, and thinking like him. And, and, and I believe that this is evident more than, than any other person in the scripture is in the life of Peter. Now, now Peter was the unofficial leader of the 12 disciples. He was kind of like the elder statesman. Everyone else was, was young and single and ready to mingle, but Peter was already grown. He was already married. He, 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 he was older. And so he was like the unofficial leader, the elder statesman of, of Jesus' closest 12 disciples. But Peter was impulsive. Peter was reactionary. Peter, you know, was constantly being reprimanded by Jesus for speaking before he would think he was he was just often just speaking out of turn he had a very strong strong character and when you you see the the story or the narrative of Jesus Jesus was finally arrested then he was being tried before the sense that Peter was caught from from watching from afar Everybody else was, was in the courtroom. Everybody else was wanting to see the spectacle. But Peter was afraid. Now, you got to understand that Peter was hiding. But just a, few, uh, just a few hours before that moment, Jesus was telling, Peter was telling Jesus, Jesus, I'm your ride or die. If you die, I'm going to die. Wherever you go, I go. If they're going to take you, they're going to take me. And then all of a sudden, we see Peter hiding out like a chicken. He's hiding, looking. He, he was over there. But the Bible says that as he was watching, a young lady comes, and, uh, comes up to him and says, hey, I know you. And, and Peter's like, uh, no, you, you, you don't know me. Yeah, I've seen you on Facebook with that guy, that, the, that, that bearded, hippie, long-looking hair dude that is being arrested. I've seen you with him. You, 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 uh, you, you are one of his. And Peter's like, no, I think you got me confused. I might look like him, but that's not really me. And they're, they're telling him, no, I, I, I know it's you. You, you. you walk like him. You, you talk like him. You act like him. See, Peter, over three and a half years, had spent so much time with Jesus that he began to reflect Jesus's life, his character and his quality all, all over him. And, and, and Peter was trying to deny it. He was being confronted. And, and in fact, he was so adamant about distancing himself from Jesus that he began to even curse. But he had spent so much time with Jesus that he was unable to cover up or, or hide Jesus' influence in his life. Imagine, what a compliment, right? Imagine that the people around us, our family, our friends, our neighbors, our coworkers, our classmates, would see so much of Jesus that we would not be able to hide it. But a lot of times we get the opposite. Oh, and you go to church and you talk like that? And you drive like that, and you go to that church with that crazy pastor-looking dude. Con razón. Tantos ahí locos y raros. Welcome to the family. And so, imagine what an amazing compliment this is for Peter. That even though he was trying to distance himself from being a follower of Jesus, he had spent so much time with him that he couldn't deny it. And, and now I'm not talking about being perfect because obviously if you read the book or seen the movie or watched the Chosen series, obviously Peter was not perfect. He cussed. Anybody know Christians that kind of cuss sometimes? Don't raise your hand and don't point them out. Peter was impulsive reaction. In fact, he even cut a soldier's ear off. And when you look at the life of Peter, Peter receives what I believe is the harshest rebuke by Jesus. Even when Jesus was rebuking the Pharisees, the religious fanatics and the religious people, he called them a brood of vipers. But here was Peter that one day when he was trying to, he was trying to, to, to vow his unending devotion to Jesus. Jesus turns and looks at him and says, get thee behind me. I mean, he like, he literally called 
Peter the devil. And that was one of his closest disciples. And, and I know when you read that, you're thinking like, man, Jesus is kind of hard. Yeah, Jesus was gangster. He was OG. He was from that Nazareth hood. And, and he calls him. He says, Peter, get thee behind me. And when you look at it, you're like, man, why was Jesus so hard on him? Pobrecito, pobre Peter. He was just trying to say, you know, because when you go back to the story, Jesus was telling his disciples, I'm going to have to suffer, and I'm going to have to die, and I'm going to have to leave. And Peter's like, oh, no, over my dead body, you're not going to die. If they're going to come after you, they're going to come after me. I'm not going to allow that to happen. And that's when Jesus said, get thee behind me, Satan. And when you look at it, you're thinking, man, Jesus, he was just trying to show Jesus how much he loved him. But remember that God doesn't just listen to what we say. He listens to the intention of the heart. And see, Peter wasn't worried about Jesus. He wasn't expressing his devotion for Jesus. Peter was worried about himself because here Peter was living a life that he never thought he would live. He had a life of influence and affluence that he thought he would never be able to experience. And he's thinking, if Jesus goes away and he suffers and dies, then I'm going to lose everything I built. So it wasn't about Jesus it was about him and Jesus turns to look at him and says get thee behind me Satan and, and so that's a perfect example that that there's enough grace for our humanity God does never expect us to be perfect that's what the that's what a religious construct or concept wants you to focus on being on the outside. Let me tell you that God does not expect perfection from you. He just wants you to get up every day and say, "God, this is who I am. This is you 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 made me. You know, right? You know what's up with this. This is who I am." And Jesus says, "Just give me who you am and I'll give you who I am." And together as we walk along this life this journey called life, then you'll begin to be more like me. And, and I believe that that should be our, our goal every day, to get up, to let Jesus shine in our life every day, that our husbands, that our wives, that our sons, and our daughters, our coworkers, our friends, our family, every day they should see more of Jesus in our life. Every day we should look like him, talk like him, and act like him, because that's what being a fully devoted follower and not a fan. See, a fan is one that just shows up on Sunday, that just puts their jersey on Sunday, those that get up and they clean up on Sunday and they come to church to, to fulfill a religious ritual or religious liturgy or routine. And Jesus says, I'm not interested in just having your heart on Sunday. I want to have your heart on Sunday. I want to have your heart on Monday. I want to have your heart on Tuesday. I want to have your heart on Wednesday. But see, a lot of us, we want to live however we want to live. And we think, man, if I could just make it to Sunday, then I'll be good. But he doesn't just want your heart on Sunday. He wants all of you, all of your imperfections, all of me. Oh. I know y'all been listening to all of you. He doesn't, he's not looking for your perfection. He's just looking to, for you to give him your heart every day. And the more you give him your heart, with your brokenness, your frailties, your weakness, your humanity, there becomes this exchange, this interchange. You give him your brokenness, and he gives you his wholeness. And before you know, have you ever had a pain that you had it so long that you just get used to it? Like you don't even notice it anymore, that, that debility. You know, you're, you're limping, and everybody thinks you're gangster. You're like, no, dude, I just got like... Old football injury. Like, oh, you're from that hood. No, I just, I twisted my ankle. And you get so used to it, but at some point, you don't even realize that it's not even hurting anymore. And that's what it is when we begin to walk with Jesus and we give him all of our imperfections, all of our humanity, and we begin to spend time with him and we call out to him and say, Jesus, I want more of you in my life. I want more of you in my attitudes. I want more of you in my habits and my thoughts. And you're walking with your brokenness and every day you give him your brokenness. You give him your weaknesses. You give him your, your, your failures. You give him your mistakes. And every time you give him your brokenness, he gives you his wholeness and your 
you're walking and all of a sudden you don't know that you're walking completely healthy, you're walking completely whole, and you're walking completely healed. But that comes as you begin to spend time with him. And that should be our goal. And that's what he has called us to be. He has called us as a church to build disciples, not, not to create a bunch of converts. There are churches today that all they are is concerned about the numbers. All they are is concerned about bringing converts and getting you to pass to the front and getting you to say a prayer. And then they don't even care how you live because all they want to do is look at their number. We had a thousand, we had a five thousand. But when you do, you just walk out and live the same way that you walked in as, then what is that? That's that's not what he wants. Look, in fact, when you look at his mandate and that Jesus gave us right before he left, we call it the Great Commission. Look what it says, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. It says, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. He says, I want you to go not to make converts. It's not just about getting people to fill up the church role or, or the roster. It's about making disciples. A disciple is what? A disciple is a follower, someone who is devoted, not someone that just serves him when it's easy, not someone when it just serves him when it, it's convenient or when it aligns with, with their own personal prejudices or their preconceived ideas of faith and religion. But a disciple is one who does what? Who obeys. That's what a disciple is. See, if you, if you want to find out if you're a follower or a fan, look at your calendar. When was the last time you were in church? Some of you are on the monthly plan. Some are in the bi-monthly. Some of you, you know, come quarterly. It's cool. We still love you. Come have our coffee and donuts. It's all good. But if you want to find the litmus test for being a follower or a fan, see, a fan is someone who serves when it's convenient. Watch, just wait for the Cowboys to have a real winning season and you're going to see Cowboys flags and jerseys everywhere. But those of us that are fans, that even when they win, we still root for them. But it's given they're probably going to lose, though, even when they win. <laughs> she got it. And then you see all kinds of jerseys. Just wait for the Eagles one day to get to the state championship and everybody's going to have a, an Eagles, or, you know, burnt orange shirt. Even those that go to win. No, maybe not. That's pushing it. Like. <laughs> but those are fans. Followers are those that, that serve even when it's not easy. They realize that it's not about being convenient. It's about being committed. It's about commitment. Those that, well, I'm not going to that church because the pastor didn't like my Facebook post. I didn't see your Facebook post. I'm not on social media all day. Like some people. Not with two little toddlers running around. And, and we laugh about it, but it happens. People get mad because we don't, we don't heart their stuff. Like, I didn't see, if, believe me, if I would have seen, I'll give you like 10 hearts. But those that are followers, it doesn't matter what they go through. It doesn't matter how they get treated. It doesn't matter if so-and-so says hi or doesn't say hi. If they give them an ugly look or half a piece of We don't care because we're not here for that. We're here for the, him. We're here because we're committed. That's what a disciple is. That is what a follower is. But one who obeys. See, a disciple is one who obeys all the commandments. Look what it says in verse 20 right there. In verse 19, go and make disciples. 20, teach these new disciples to obey all the commands. Oh, no, wait, it says to obey some of the commands that they agree with. To, if you're a fan, you're like, well, I don't like the whole thing about the money and all that. That's not, just not for me. Well, then you're a fan. Because it says a disciple is one who obeys all the commands. Even the ones that they don't like. Even, even the ones that hit you in the kayo. The kayo is the Greek word for, and I'm such a theologian. 
in, in that soft spot, in, in that place where it hurts, where even, even when the Bible says, forgive those who hurt you and offend you, oh, no, I'm going to forgive them. They, they don't deserve. That's, the Bible doesn't say you forgive because they deserve your forgiveness. The Bible says you forgive because that's the right thing to do. The Bible says that you forgive because he forgave you. Even when you didn't deserve it, he forgave you. But see, fans, they want to pick and choose like, like at Luby's. I'll take a little macaroni and cheese. Ooh, asparagus? No. Mm, chicken fried steak. And, and that's what we want to do. But a follower says, you know what? I may not like it. But if it's good for me, then I'm going to take it. And that is what we are called to do, is a disciple is one who obeys all, all of the commands. And remember I said a couple of weeks ago that obedience is where our devotion starts, and priority is where our devotion shows. See, there is a connection between our obedience and our blessing. There is a correlation. There is a connection. Now, don't, don't misunderstand because you're like, but pastor, you said this isn't about being, uh, about being performance-based. It's about being position-based. Yes, I'm right. See, this obedience and blessing connection is not transactional. It's activational. I don't even know if that's a word, but if I made it up. Put it in the Webster's Dictionary. Immaturity perceives things as transactional. That's why your little son, your little daughter, because daddy, you're the best. You're the best. And you already, what do you want? You already know. They're using their emotion to get something. And, and that's what a lot of people want to do with God. We think that we can kiss up to God. We think that we can, we can get him to do. But that's not what this is. You don't get the blessing of God as a transaction. What, what it is is that when you're obedient, your obedient activates what already belongs to you. See, my children, whether Micah or Malachi, they behave if they're good or bad. It doesn't matter. I'm going to provide for them. I'm going to put a roof over their head. I'm going to give them food to eat. I'm going to give them close to her. Their provision is not based on their performance. It is my responsibility as their dad. But anything apart from that is based on their obedience. See, when they are disobedient, I don't feel like blessing them. When they are disobedient, I might take away privileges and things that they could otherwise enjoy, but I will never take away their, their provision. And that's the way it is with God. God is your father and he has an obligation to provide for you, but God God doesn't just want you to live on the level of provision. He wants to elevate you to the level of blessing, to the level of abundance. And the way that you activate the blessing of God in your life is through your obedience. It's not transactional. It's activational. There is a connection. That's what the Bible says. There is a connection between our obedience and our blessing. When your son or daughter comes home and they do good every day. My son Malachi is, is challenged and every day I say, Bobby, how did it go today? And he say, Bobby, he go, Dad, I, I didn't do good. No, he said, muy bueno. Yo hice mucho, mucho, muy bueno. And when I hear that, I say, you did, son? You didn't cuss anybody? You didn't hit anybody? You didn't throw a chair at the teacher? Yes, I have to go through the list to make sure we cover all our bases. You didn't pinch anybody? You didn't give anybody the middle finger? No, dad. I look at him and say, I'm going to take you to Sonic today, son. Why? Because his obedience activated the blessing. And that's the way it is with God. When we obey God and we honor God, God is sitting up there, oh, look at me, who's just like me. Not like you when your son, oh, me, who's just like me. But when you ask me, oh, salió a su mamá, ya sabía. Igualito a mi suegra. Igualito a mi suegro, right? But when they do something, they walk in obedience, they do what you say, they clean the room, they, they, they pick up their plate, they vacuum, they wash the dishes, they cut the grass. There's something in you as a father say, man, I must have done something right because I did something right in them. I'm going to do something right for them. See, obedience to God's words brings wisdom. Wisdom brings the blessing. And remember, the blessing of God is what causes you to prosper. See, because we have a consumeristic mentality, we think the blessing is stuff. 
God doesn't bless with stuff. The, the stuff comes because of the blessing. The blessing is a mantle of grace and favor that comes over your life that every day you put on and you walk in it. The stuff comes because of the blessing, but the stuff is not the blessing. The stuff comes because of the blessing, but the blessing is this mantle that you walk in. And every day you walk in God's honor, you walk in God's word, and you walk in God's blessing. That mantle that you already carry becomes activated. Look at what it says in Deuteronomy 28, 1 and 2. It says, if you fully obey the Lord your God and be careful to keep some of his commandments that I'm giving you today. Is that what it says? It says, somebody say all. The Lord your God will set you high above all the nations and you will experience all of these blessings if you obey the Lord. So you obey all, you get all of the blessings. See, the magnitude of your obedience determines the magnitude of your blessing. But let me tell you something about obedience. There's no such thing as 99.9% obedience. Sometimes we want to be that with God, right? God, 99.9% of the time, I, I do right. No. 0.1% of disobedience is full disobedience with God. But there is a correlation between your obedience and your blessing. The magnitude of your obedience determines the magnitude of your blessing. If you obey all of the commandments, you get all of these blessings. And, and that's why we say living a fully devoted life to Jesus is the key to accessing all that God has for you. When you live fully devote, devoted, you obey God's word and you put him first. Let me tell you, there's nothing in hell that can stop the blessing of God from overtaking you. And that is the picture of this language it says that when you fully obey God, all of these blessings will overtake you. All of these blessings will come upon you. What does that mean? That means that it doesn't matter where they put you. It doesn't matter where they place you. They can try to hide you. When you obey God, the blessing of God is going to find you like a heat-seeking missile. It'll go through whatever it has to go through just to get to you because that's what it does. And remember I said that the kingdom of God are, the laws of the kingdom of God are principles that function as keys. And what do keys do? They give you access to the benefits and blessings that God has already prepared and allocated for you. Look at what Paul says to the Ephesians in, in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3. It says, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every, somebody say every, spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. So you're looking and say, well, it says we've been blessed with all spiritual blessings in heaven. What you got to realize is that the storehouse of blessing is in heaven. And when you obey God, God takes from the storehouse and says, boom, there you go, son. There you go, daughter. All of the blessing that God has prepared for you, every blessing that you will every need, God already has your name on it. God already has it there in his storehouse, like a Christmas present with your name on it. He already has it there. He's just waiting for you to activate the blessing so that he can release it to you. And that word... Who has blessed us? Right there, it says that, that word who has blessed us in the Greek is eulogeo, which is a compound word comprised of two words. EU, which is you, means to be well off, farewell, or prosper. He said, I want you to be well off. I want you to, to prosper. I want you to farewell. The second word is logos, which means in this context, a command or decree uttered by a living voice. In other words, when you obey God, he commands and, de and decrees a blessing, which is a supernatural ability to prosper. And whatever God declares or decrees, it will become a reality. And we see that through the whole creation narrative. We see that evidence. God said, let there be, and it was so. Now imagine that the same voice that spoke light into existence, the same voice that spoke the sky into existence, the sun into existence, the moon into existence and the stars into existence, that same voice that spoke 
that separated the day from the night, that same voice that spoke land into existence, that same voice that spoke all the plants, trees, flowers into existence is the same voice that has commanded and decreed a blessing over your life. And when he says it, when he declares it, it is so. And let me tell you, and when he says it, nothing in hell can stop it. When God calls you blessed, there's nothing in hell, no devil, no demon, no neighbor, no coworker. No one can stop what God is going to do in your life. When heaven starts it, hell cannot stop it. It's that heat-seeking missile that just, boom, where you're at. That same voice that uttered and created everything that we see in our physical world is the same voice that calls you blessed. And whatever he says, it says, elogeo. He commands his utter voice. He commands it and decrees it, and he calls you blessed. And when he declares it, it is so. That's why I say they can lie about you. They can backstab you. They can blackball you. They can scheme against you. They can try and deny you. But when God says you are blessed, nothing can stop his blessing over your life. If they put you in a pit like Joseph, they might put you in a prison like Joseph. They might try to put you out to pasture like they did David. But when God has blessed you. It doesn't matter where you're at. The blessing of God is going to find you. They can try to hide you, but the blessing of God is going to find you. They can try to put you down. They can try to demote you, but the blessing of God is going to find you. They can move you from one department that is failing, thinking that you're going to fail, but all of a sudden, the blessing of God finds you, and that department that was failing is now flourishing. Why? Because the blessing of God, when it comes over your life, nothing in hell can stop the blessing in your life tell your neighbor can't stop it so don't even try can't stop it so don't even try there's nothing in hell that can stop the blessing of God over your life he commanded it he decreed it and it is so I'm here to tell you that you are blessed it's already yours it already belongs to you well pastor why don't get it well, you need to activate it. How do you activate it? Through the key. What is the key? Is obedience. Obey all, you experience all. All obedience brings all. It, and I love God because he, he starts out in Deuteronomy 28, 1 and 2. He talks about how you can activate the blessing. He says, if you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully keep all his commands that I'm giving you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the world and you will experience all these blessings if you obey the Lord your God. That's what it says in this translation, but in, in, in the New American Standard Bible, it says that the blessings of God are going to overtake you. And, and the way my mind pictures that is, I don't know if you remember years ago, there was a Super Bowl commercial called The Office Linebacker. And this commercial would, would show people in the office and all of a sudden this linebacker would come flying and tackling boom, and they'd be knocked out on the ground. They'd get up and walk, and here comes the office linebacker. In my mind, that's the way I picture the blessing of God. When you fully obey, you're going to be walking. You're going to be doing your thing. You're going to be honoring God, even when nobody sees it, even when there's no platform, even when there's no audience, even when you're, you're all by yourself, and there you are. They're trying to deny you. They're trying to put you down, and then all of a sudden, the office linebacker from heaven comes with the blessing and says, bam, there you go, baby. I'm here. Bam, there there you go. There you go. There's this blessing. The blessings of God will overtake you. And then he goes on to list all of the blessings in case you didn't know. In verse 28 through, through 8 says, And you will experience all these blessings if you obey the Lord your God. Your towns and your fields will be blessed. Your children and your crops will be blessed. The offspring of your herds and flocks will be blessed. Your fruit baskets and your breadboards will be blessed. Wherever you go and whatever you do, you will be blessed. I mean, 
Whatever you do, wherever you go, you will be blessed. The Lord will conquer your enemies when they attack you. They will attack you from one direction, but then they will scatter you from, from you in seven. And look at what verse 8 says. The Lord will guarantee a blessing on everything you do. That word guarantee means to assure its intended outcome. And God is saying, I stand by my word. I said, if you obey, I'll give you all of those blessings. Every blessing you obey all, I'll give you all the blessings. And I guarantee. See, when you get that guarantee, you, you buy that product, that manufacturer is saying, I stand behind my product. It's not going to fail you. It's going to it's going to function to its highest and fullest potential. And God is saying, I, the Lord, am guaranteeing this. I am, I am declaring that you will see the desired outcome in your life. Let me tell you, you might not see it right now. You may not feel it right now. It may not look like it right now. But you have a guarantee that says, when the time is right, I am going to get. That means that he will move whatever he has to move he will move whoever he has to move he will he will do whatever he has to do to make sure that your blessing comes to you he says i am guaranteeing this word take it to the bank take it to the judge say god guaranteed blessing he says I'm going to make sure that this desired intended outcome becomes a reality in your life see we got to understand the blessing is not stuff the blessing is not things that's a, a consumeristic mindset when we think about blessing we think money and finances and cars and houses that can come as a result of the blessing. Don't get me wrong. I believe that God will bless us and prosper us according to our purpose and according to our faith. But the blessing is so much more. The blessing of God permeates every facet in every aspect of your life, your home, your family, your marriage, your children, your business. Even your vehicles will be blessed. Your dogs will be blessed. Any dog moms here? Or dog dads? Everything you do and everywhere you go will be blessed. But the blessing is not a feeling. See, sometimes, how many of you know that you can be blessed and not feel blessed? You can be blessed and not look blessed. See, you can walk around and be like, I'm blessed. And like, oh no, you, you broke, busted, and disgusted. Oh no. That's what I look like right now. But that's not how I'm going to look. I'm just in a process right now. I'm just walking. I'm being obedient. I, I, I know that my blessing is not a feeling. My blessing is not something you can see right now. But I have a guarantee. The blessing is not a feeling. See, sometimes you cannot feel blessed. But you are blessed. You may not look blessed. But you are blessed. See, when you carry the commanded blessing of God on your life. Let me tell you, you're just a praise away from your breakthrough. When you carry the commanded blessing of God. God on your life you're just a shout away from your victory when you carry the commanded blessing of God on your life you're just a moment away from your miracle when you carry the commanded blessing of God you're only a cut one connection away from everything turning around in your favor why because you are blessed you just walk and people are gonna say oh you're just lucky you got that Forrest Gump anointing you just end up at the right place at the right time. Uh-oh, baby. I don't got the Forrest Gump anointing, and I'm not lucky. I'm blessed. To you, it looks like luck. <laughs> to you, it looks like just being at the right place at the right time. But I'm walking in divine intention and divine will.
because I am blessed. How many blessed people do we have here today? I want to, I'm going to close with this amazing testimony. And I shared it with our, our, our Thursday really fully devoted followers. So a couple of weeks ago, we celebrated First Fruit Sunday. And I know some people came and never came back. Like, oh, the church is all about money, just like all the other churches. And hang out with us long enough and you'll realize it that we're not in it for the money. And we can't be in it without the money, but we're not in it for the money. We don't pass the offering plate. We don't make you come up and give. We don't guilt you into giving. That's not what we are. But I do believe that we are commanded to believe all and obey all. So a couple of weeks ago, we celebrated First Fruits. And, and I know, and I, and I warned you, we're weird and radical here at Access Church. And there was a lady in one of our campuses. I'm not going to tell you who or where. If you write it on a $100 bill, I might, okay? But I'll leave that up to your discretion. I thought you said you were in it for the money. I got two boys I got to feed. They're in it for the money, not me. She heard the teaching. Now, her husband is dis in, on disability, really low fixed income. She doesn't work. She can't work because she has to stay home. But she said, God, I want to honor you with first fruits. So she scraped up what she had, and she came up with $100. Now, I know some of you are like, oh, I spend that at the casino like that. Nobody said amen. They're like, oh, he is prophetic. How did he know? Some of you spend it on a good steak dinner. Some of you might spend it on a pair of shoes. Just nothing. But understand for this lady in her situation, $100 was a lot of money. But how many know that God is not worried about the quantity? of our gift, but the quality of our faith. And so she took that $100. He says, God, I don't have a lot, but I'm going to give it to you for first fruits. She came forward. She gave it. Within two weeks, a guy that she's never met, a, 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 an older gentleman that she's never met, did not know her, said, I don't know why, but God told me that I need to bless you. They didn't have a vehicle. She was always having to ask for rides to get to church. See, a fan were like, well, I don't have a ride. I can't go. A follower says, I'm going to find my way. And she would bug people until they would pick her up and take her to church. So this guy says, God is telling me I need to buy you a car. So he bought her a $6,000 car. Is that pretty awesome? Give the Lord some praise for that. Like, man, I should have given my first fruits. I told you. Pero no, no querías. They said, but that's not all. This is verified. He says, I'm going to give you an offering of $30,000. Now you're like, man, I should have really did it. Verified because she chose to honor God when she had every right to God, man, I'm in need. I don't even have enough for what I need for the rest of the week. And she brought forward her $100. And God blew her mind. I know you're thinking, well, why did he do that for her? I don't know. God is God. It's his own prerogative. He does what he wants to do. He blesses however he wants to bless. And for whatever reason, he chose to bless her in that way. I was like, God, hello. How about your boy up here? God did it. Because she chose to fight the doubt to fight the criticism 
And get this, not even her husband wanted her to give the money, huh? I bet you he's glad she did now. But she did it to honor God. She was almost embarrassed. She said, Pastor, I was embarrassed because that's all I had. And I remembered the story of the widow that brought her two coins. And I love this story because Jesus is sitting in the corner just watching. And the Pharisees would come in with bags of money. And they would have so much money that their servants would come in and they would come and throw it down the altar and do like a, like a touchdown dance. And they're all high five, like, do bro, like six bags, I know, like seven, look at you, seven bags, man. And they're having this party, patting each other, man, you really must love God. I know, right, I do, like for real. <laughs> Celebrating all these things. And I imagine, this is, like I said, this is my weird way of, of reading the scriptures. The widow comes in. Imagine seeing all that. People bringing in wagons of, of money and throwing it at the altar. High-fiving each other. And she comes in with two little coins. Probably embarrassed. Probably thinking, man, these two things aren't going to make a difference. They're not even going to notice. I'm going to put it there and all that, all that monton. Monton is the Greek word for a lot. Y'all that know the real, don't sell me out, okay? It's not even going to make it. It's not even going to matter. But she wasn't doing it to matter. She was doing it to obey and honor. And, and I imagine just, she probably walked up and she put it out. And probably was like trying to hide like, like some of you back in the day when you put in the offering plate, you take out your dollar and you stick your hand in so nobody can see you're only giving a dollar. And some of you would stick it in, not give anything. You're just like, y'all think we that pastor? We don't know. Like, and some would put in and take out. We've had that happen at church before. I was like, man, I gotta learn that one. I, it's no lie. It's happened. They don't. Yeah. But she was probably embarrassed, thinking, man, this isn't gonna matter. And she comes and she puts those two coins in. And Jesus is like, oh, wait, wait, hold up, guys. I know you're high-fiving each other, but I got something to tell you. That lady, she just gave more than you. And they're like, more? Did you see everything that we brought? Look at all these bags of money. Just like, I know, but she gave more. She only gave two coins. And Jesus says, yeah, but that's all she had. See, God is not interested in the quantity of your gift. He's interested in the quality of your love and your devotion for him. And she gave him those two coins. Now, the Bible doesn't say this, but I believe because he guarantees it. Right? Because if you obey, I guarantee the blessing that everything you do will be blessed. See, in those days, a widow had no way to generate income. They had no way to earn a living. And because of their law and custom, because if, if her husband, her, her deceased husband would have had a brother, the brother would have married her and taken her in. So... What you're not seeing within that context is that she had no one to count on, no one to help her. And she could have easily said, man, these two coins, like, th this, is, this is the last I have. She could have easily said, someone come get this little girl. Over here. Oh, oh, it's a mom. Welcome to Access Church. We are more than a church. We are. I thought she's like, she thought I was going to make an altar call. She's like, I'm going to be the first one there. I want that blessing. Like, I was like, come get it, girl. Pray for your pastor. One, one of these days you'll get a real pastor that's real serious and dresses like a pastor. 
We don't want one of those. We want you. Okay. (laughs) The Bible doesn't say this, but he guarantees it. And if he says it and guarantees it, I believe it. She had no way of earning an income, but I guarantee you when you get to heaven and you talk to that widow, she's going to tell you, I don't know what happened, but all of a sudden I qualified for an inheritance that I didn't even know I had. And then all of a sudden I had all this livestock and all of a sudden all these goats and all these lambs and all these camels and all of a sudden I had chickens that were producing eggs and even the eggs were producing eggs. All of a sudden, why? Because the Bible says that when you obey God and you honor, He's going to guarantee the outcome. He's going to guarantee the blessing. So even though it doesn't say it, but because He guaranteed it, I can't imagine that Jesus is looking at her like, oh, she gave her two cents. Oh, that's great, mija. A ver, ¿cómo lo haces? I bet Jesus saw that and said, hey, Dad, we got a good one over here. Activate the blessing in her life. Things that she never thought, imagined, or expected. Because he guarantees it. So I don't know what season or situation you're in today. All I know is that he wants you blessed. The Bible says it this way. You being evil want to give good things to your children. Imagine me being a good father. Imagine what he wants to give to you. And he's saying, I've got all of this blessing that I want to release over your life. All you got to do is use the key and activate it. Quit fighting with God. Quit trying to negotiate. It's not Burger King. You can't have it your way. It's His kingdom. And it's His way. And when you do things His way, He guarantees the blessing of God over your life. You receive that today. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Come on, I know you can do better than that. I know it's just a matter of time that we hear more blessings, more things, because we are a different kind of church. We're going to walk in the fullness of obedience so that we can walk in the fullness of His blessing. Thank you for joining us, and a special thanks to those who have given to support this ministry. Without you, none of this is possible. If you like this podcast, please like and subscribe and share it on social media. Thank you for listening. God bless you.